Hi, I'm Anna. Uh, I am from Spain and I'm an online marketing consultant. I work with uh, therapists, helping them to get more clients with online marketing. Hola, I'm Dicana y soy de Catalunya, España. Soy consultora de marketing digital y em dedico a ayudar a terapeutas a conseguir más clients amb el, amb el marketing digital. And I do business in English. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Doing Business in English podcast. I'm your host, Chrisia, and I'm here today with a special guest, Anna from Catalonia in Spain. Anna's traveled and learned languages. She's taught languages. She's going to share with you her insights on doing business in English. And she's also going to help you to learn from the mistakes that she made and the things that she wishes she hadn't done. Stay tuned for Doing Business in English. Hi, Anna. We welcome to Doing Business in English. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you here as my first podcast guest. This is so exciting. Yay. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit more about where you're from and where you live and how you ended up here. Oh, that's a good question. Um, where I'm from is easy. I'm from uh, a town near Barcelona in Spain. Um, I grew up with two languages. And right now I am in Denmark. But it's a long story how I ended here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, it actually all started with English. Oh, okay. Um, how was that? Well, as a kid, my parents signed me up for English lessons, like extracurricular, because English level at school in Spain is not great. Mm -hmm. uh, and because of that, I liked English. And then when it was time to choose a degree at university, I decided to go for translation because I really liked languages and I wanted to work more with English and Japanese. And Japanese. Uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're just going to throw that in? Yeah, Japanese, where did that come from? Yeah, well, you know, as a teenager, I was quite into uh, Japanese manga and anime. I got really interested in Japanese culture. Okay. And I thought, hey, this language is very different. It sounds awesome. So I want to learn it. So university was languages for me. Oh, okay. And thanks to that, I spent a year studying in Scotland, practicing my English. And then because of the Japanese, I also went to Japan to mm -hmm. practice Japanese. And there I found my current husband. In Japan? In Japan. We were classmates studying Japanese in Japan. And because of that, after spending a couple, three years in Japan, actually teaching English. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was quite a journey with English. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up moving to Denmark because of him. Okay. So it's been quite Spain, a journey. Spain, Japan, Denmark. All and Scotland. Of and yeah. Scotland, of course. Yes. And because of your English, yes. you were able to do all of that travel. If, if it hadn't been for my English, I wouldn't be here today. That's fantastic. Yeah. How do you feel, like, when you first had to use, like, for example, was it when you went to Scotland? Was that yeah. the first time where you really were in a situation where yes. this is all English? How did that feel? Can you remember? It was, it was a bit overwhelming at first because... I always had good grades in English. So I mm -hmm. thought, oh, my English is fine, you know. And then I went to Scotland and all of a sudden I was talking to native speakers all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would say something to me and I would not understand anything. 
Oh, wow. So you so, went from being like top of the class to like, yeah, to like, I have no idea what's going all on. All my classmates are doing better than me because although I thought my English was good, I realized that I was used to just the accent from the English book. Ah, okay. You know, like I had some, I had some roommates, well, flatmates. There was some from Singapore. Uh, there was a girl from uh, Manchester mm-hmm. and like there were some different accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember one of the first days, one of the roommates from Singapore, he asked me if I went to school that day. Mm-hmm. And it took me four attempts to understand that simple sentence because he said it different from what I was used to and I was like oh my god I need to get used to this (laughs) so how did you get used to it what did you do I mean just keep practicing every day I mean after after a while I got used to it you got used Uh, to hearing my my, my ears had to get used to it so Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. you know try to talk to them get used to what they were saying in context it was yeah. easier, but out of context, when all of a sudden they say something to you and I was like, uh, <laughs> sorry, but can you say that again? Yeah. Um, so, so was it, so did you get, did you have a lot of embarrassing situations because of, you know, the challenges that you were having at the beginning with your English? Not so many, but I think also because I'm quite an introvert. Mm, so okay. in case of doubt, don't say anything. Ah, interesting. Which, which I do not recommend because you always learn faster mm-hmm. if you do it. But I remember I had a, a flatmate that was originally from Thailand mm-hmm. and his mom got married to a Scottish man. And so he moved to Scotland like maybe two years before I came to study. And Mm -hmm. he told us that he learned English super fast and he would listen to the radio all the time. He said he even listened to it while sleeping to have this constant uh, English. And his Mm -hmm. English was great when we talked to him. Mm -hmm. Um, So he had had done that within two years. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And he was studying at university then. So like he really put an effort and did lots of exposure and you could really tell it paid off (laughs) yeah how long ago was this this Scotland experience this was in 2006 okay and then so you went from there to Japan I went from there back to Spain Mm -hmm. because that was during the third year of my degree so I went back to Spain Mm -hmm. had the whole trauma of living with my parents again (laughs) (laughs) yep been there done that and then I thought, okay, next Get time, out, next, <laughs> next time I study abroad, I told myself I'll make, I'll make it so that it's the last year of my degree, so I don't have to come back oh. to do any other subjects. Yeah. So then I went to Japan, and when I was done studying in Japan, I decided that I wanted to stay longer, so I just mm. got a job, okay. and I stayed. Oh, so the easiest job to get was as an English teacher, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, most foreigners there, they, they teach English. So what was your confidence like at that point? You know, you're applying for jobs as an English teacher in Japan. Um, I guess there were a lot of other foreigners there doing the same. Did you feel that your English was like, okay, now I'm at a level where I can teach or were you still nervous and, and a bit shy about it? Well, I had, I had already been teaching English while I was living in Spain oh, okay. um, at, a, at a language school in mm-hmm. the evenings to, you know, study in the morning, <laughs> teaching in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, evening. 
so I was quite confident about teaching it in the sense of I knew how to explain things and so on. But in Japan, lessons worked differently because most people there, they have already studied English for many years. Yeah. And they have memorized a long list of vocabulary and all the verb tenses, the past and everything, but they couldn't speak. Yeah, I get a lot of people like that contacting me because they they know the grammar, they know the vocabulary, but that's not enough. There's something no, else missing. It was not. I had people who said, you know what? I have studied English for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, how are you? And they couldn't answer. Yeah, yeah. So, that is so challenging. It, so, it's And it's hard for those people to, have, very to feel like they've spent all of this time and energy and effort and money exactly. on, on something that has nothing to show for it. Yeah, they were very frustrated, a lot of them. So all most English schools there, they're conversation schools. Right, right. So what I had to do was talk to them only in English, no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit intimidating at first because... Most of my colleagues were native speakers. Okay. So you felt like an outsider. So I felt a, a little bit like, okay, for most levels, like all the lower levels, I felt confident. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I had to speak to some more advanced students that had mm-hmm. really good English. And <laughs> they were interested in learning like those uh, nice expressions and cool Mm -hmm. idioms and these kind of things that sometimes I felt that as a non-native speaker. Yeah. That was a bit challenging for me. Right. So what Um, did you do? Well, I tried to wing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Making stuff up. (laughs) Not always, but at some point I I think I made something up because some student asked, oh, what's the past tense of this verb? And I was like, I think it's this, but then I checked it later. It was wrong. Oh, well, you know, so you're not perfect. Like, oh, well, if he looks it up, then he will see. But in general, I think the students were happy. And actually, many of them appreciated that I had had experience also learning English. Right, right. Because, because you were coming at it from the same direction exactly. as they were. As an, I, as I an knew what some of the struggles were, and I understood grammar and and the structures in a different way because sometimes as a native speaker you don't think about it exactly it's kind of like oh well that's just what we do exactly yeah. uh, it was like oh I don't know why it was like uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well <is> because <laughs> I remember this and I had a lot of like tricks of my own to to practice oh something I did I remember now when I was in Scotland uh, to practice my informal English mm-hmm. was that I uh, in Spain when I grew up uh, Dragon Ball I don't oh, know if you know Dragon Ball. I remember Dragon Ball Z is that yeah, the, both, yeah okay. uh, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z was super popular and I had seen all of it 10,000 times and close to where I lived in Edinburgh there was a comic book shop okay and they had Dragon Ball in English uh-huh. so I bought all of it and that was amazing because it was spoken English. Right. And right. there was a lot of like this. It was very formal way of saying conversational. Yeah. So that was helpful because I had always studied classroom English. Right. So was, reading comic books really helped you. Yes. And I recommended it also to some of my students in Japan. Mm-hmm. And they also bought Dragon Ball in English. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. So I told them like, just find a story that you like. 
yeah. that you know. And of course, it's Japan. Like you have comic books for everything, and you could also buy them in English in some yeah. bookstores. Uh, and they found it very, very useful because, well, they knew the story already. They didn't have to worry so much about. Yeah, and the pictures also really and help. And the pictures help, and on. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the students that tried it, they said it was very nice. Cool. I often recommend Harry Potter. Oh, I, I love Harry really, Potter. Really, really good way to to, you know, reading it out loud. Even if you don't understand it, it's a really good way to get a feeling for the language, and you know, and it, and it's fun, and you don't worry if you don't understand yeah. something because you can just keep going, and and you'll pick it up. Yeah, I remember reading Harry Potter in English also, yeah. uh, and something I've done the whole time since I went to Scotland, even a little before, was read in English a lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about writing? Did you ever do much writing in English? Like just well, I had for practice to, as opposed to like stuff you had to write? Not so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me think. Well, I've written in like online forums and things like that. Right. That's or like. Yeah, that's a really chats, good way. To, that's a really uh, good way to practice. Yeah. Um, social media and, and forums and stuff where yeah, exactly. you're actually using the English to get or share some information and not just to practice English or. Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, you don't feel like your English is being judged because it's, it's an informal situation. Nobody's going to say, oh, well, her grammar was bad. So she's wrong. And also (laughs) like most places online, you don't show your real identity anyway. Ah, yeah. So you can, so you're just a username. Yeah. So you can be anonymous. And yeah, if you make a mistake, nobody knows who you are. Nobody's going to come to you and say, Hey, (laughs) you you said this wrong. Like, uh, I don't care, you know? So there was no pressure. Yeah. So you joined me last year for English boot camp. But you had a different reason uh, from some of the other people who were attending. What was your reason for being in the English boot camp course? My reason was that, well, the first time I heard about your your method of uh, practicing English, it blew my mind. It just made so much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, wait a second, this this isn't just for English. I can use this for any language, really. Yeah. Uh, and at the time... I mean, I've been living in Denmark now for almost 10 years, Mm -hmm. but I still feel that my spoken Danish is not quite where I'd like it to be. Right. Um, So I thought this is what I need. Yeah. And you came to English boot camp. Did it help your Danish at all? It did, for sure. Mm -hmm. Doing the the practice activities, it especially helped my fluency. Yeah. Um, Words came more easily. I felt more confident making the sounds yeah, because yeah. I was trying to repeat them without thinking. And I, I feel like my, my rhythm for the language also improved mm-hmm. uh, because of it. So, um, I mean, it's amazing. Anyone hearing this, listening to this podcast, you need to try it because <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy how simple it is and how effective it is. So oh, great. Thanks for the plug. I wasn't asking for it, but yeah, uh, it's great to hear. It's a no, it's a no brainer. So yeah. yeah, you know, I came up with these practice activities over many years and I was teaching English in Turkey. And, um, and I realized that my students were like me. Um, I was teaching adults and, you know, mostly business people, but if you've reached adulthood and you still haven't kind of mastered English, I mean, you're, I think you're quite a 
you're an exception because you did it in school, you studied it, you know, you were, you were interested in learning languages, but I think people who reach adulthood and then are like, okay, I need to work on my English. They're usually people who maybe weren't so good at it in school. And that's like me. I failed languages in school or at least just barely passed. And I just really came up with the feeling that I wasn't good at languages. And so I was looking for a way to teach my students who also felt like, well, yeah, you're teaching me this grammar and this vocabulary, but I'm just not good at languages. And I could really relate because sitting there learning grammar didn't help me. Learning the vocabulary didn't help me. And not only that, I hated it. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand. I mean, I remember so many of my classmates struggling. Yeah. It didn't connect with them in any way. I I always like grammar. So, I'm a little (laughs) bit of an exception, but I remember a lot of my friends, like, it's just not fun. No, it's not fun. And, you know, once you reach, you know, a certain age, if if it doesn't feel absolutely necessary, then you're not going to bother. There's just no. Like, why should like, I, waste I don't have time for that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I have I have I don't know four, five, six Danish grammar books that I could look at. Yeah. That I know if I did, I would stop making some of the mistakes I make. But I don't have time, and if yeah. I have time, I don't feel like doing it. Exactly. You got better things to do with your time. Yeah. Yes. So I use the same technique when I was learning Danish as well. And uh, and it got me to a point where I was like, good, this is enough Danish for me. And then later I wanted more Danish and I was able to just pick up my practice again and and go just pick it up, you know, four or five years later, start practicing. And within a couple of months, you know, my Danish was up to the new standard that I had set for myself. So I also like that about it, that you can spend a little bit of time every day, like 20 minutes, you know, but split up into different parts of the day and feel improvement rather quickly you know it's not like you have to wait six months or a year to see any change so it's really yeah I also use it for Danish (laughs) but I I think it is especially valuable that you do it with real Danish yeah Yeah. because that's how people speak and that's that was my problem when I studied English everything was recorded for textbooks mm-hmm. and this and that and then all of a sudden you're in a pub someone says something to you and you're like what <laughs> I don't know those words I don't or know even worse words. I know all of those words and I still don't know what you're saying yeah it, yeah. it was like I wasn't ready for for being in the street speaking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it was the same with my Japanese like I got to Japan and I couldn't say anything almost yeah like it took me a couple of months of constant exposure to pick it up. And then, then it went up very fast. Yeah. So, okay. So you have a lot of experience with English. You've been an English teacher. When you hear or see other people making mistakes in English, what do you think? Or how do you feel about that? I think it's awesome that they are using the English because sometimes, I mean, I know some people that were also like not great at English at school, but because of other reasons like connections on the internet or whatever, they ended up using it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see what they write and I can say, okay, well, that was a mistake. But it was like, well, you know what? I still understand yeah. that the, they communicate just fine. And who cares? Like That's <laughs> what I want my listeners to hear because that's so important because we're not judging people because they make a mistake. Everyone feels like if I make a mistake, I'm going to be judged. But 
on the other side, it's like, oh, somebody made a mistake. Oh, well, they're trying. They're making the effort. And I understand what they mean. And if I don't understand, I can just ask. Yeah, they should not be afraid to try because unless it's something that's very confusing, then, okay, maybe someone will ask you, sorry, can you say that again? Right. And you can see it in their face. Like you did like, with your, your flatmate from... Uh, yeah, <laughs> in, I mean, Scotland. I was like, what? <laughs> Four times. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think just go for it. Because yeah. that's, I needed more of that. Because I've always been too much of a perfectionist. Mm. So I don't jump into it quick enough. And I know other people who did. And they got good so much faster than me. Yeah, okay. Because they were like, I don't care about mistakes. I'm going to speak. Right. And the more you speak, the fewer mistakes you make. Yeah. And and you get more confident, you sound more confident. And and the whole thing is just better because people can feel if you're very unsure and you're afraid of maybe you're afraid of making mistakes, but maybe they will think that you're afraid of something else. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell my business students that if you sound unsure about your English, they don't think that you're unsure about your English. They think you're unsure about the whatever you're selling them. Exactly. Or your ability to do the job. You know, that's yeah. what it's that's what that fear sounds like. So, you know, building that confidence and just getting out there, just doing it and saying, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes and that's OK. I'm going to make this work. And um, also most English speakers I've met, they're like, oh, wow, you speak English so well. It's so cool that you speak two languages like. Yeah. So most of them will think it's so cool that yeah. you're actually speaking English. <laughs> and, and they you know, think, the more people who speak English, the easier it is for us English speakers not to have to learn all these other languages. Exactly. So most <laughs> of them think it's so cool that they don't have to worry about learning your language. So they are actually grateful yeah. that you are trying and that they don't have to learn Spanish or Chinese or, or whatever. And they can hear that you are not a native English speaker, so they will not judge you on the language. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you've said it perfectly. Thank you for that. Um, any other any other little words of advice that you would give to someone who's sitting there now listening to this podcast or going for their morning jog, listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I'm afraid to use English at work because... I might make mistakes or I'm afraid to to get started. Any other words of advice you'd give them? I'd say if you're afraid to use English at work, maybe you can start by finding a non-work related uh, English speaking person mm. and just just find someone that you can talk to uh, if you can, because those conversations, they're great. But really in business, like nobody cares. Yeah. Just just really try because you will see that you were going to be judged and you didn't. And it happened to me with Danish. I, For the last half year, I've been working in Danish and I was so afraid that people were going to think, oh, wow, Anna, she's clearly not Danish. Wow, look at all those mistakes she makes. And guess what? Half a year later, I haven't got one single comment and everybody praises me. Yeah, and you're making customer support, right? Yeah, so it's important that they understand. You spend your whole job, your whole work time helping people with their problems in Danish. Yeah, exactly. And they're super happy. Yeah. And they don't care. And sometimes I see some of them, they they make the same mistakes that I do or or worse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not like all the native speakers, they are perfect at speaking the language or writing it at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So 
I think uh, forget about the pressure. Just it's all in your head. It was all in my head. Yeah, I've realized <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you got past those like mental blocks that were holding you back, and you got out there and got started practicing and and really got the confidence to use English comfortably to become a teacher. And it was awesome. Course, yeah. And then to pick up Danish on top of that. Wow. You know, you've done so much and congratulations on all you've done. Thank you. And I think you're going to be an inspiration to some of my listeners who are sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, Anna did it. You can too. <laughs> oh, for sure. Thanks so much, Anna, for being my first guest here on Doing Business in English and giving us these great tips on using comics to help with everyday language, getting on online forums so that you can find a place where you're anonymous and using your English in a low-pressure environment, and of course, practicing to improve your English. I also hope, listeners, that you'll learn from her mistakes and you don't try to be perfect before using your English and don't worry about the mistakes that you make. You can find Anna on Instagram at Anna Prims Marketing. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Business in English, please subscribe. And if you have a couple of minutes, leave a comment for me in whatever podcast service you're using. That'll help me to get this podcast out to more people and they can also improve their English. See you next time.